0: to get started visit plushcare.com/weightloss that's plushcare.com/weightloss
1: there's sort of a certain amount of stuff that, that that conversation around your 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 stuff can can come naturally and you don't even need to seek out specifically like play testers like like if you like a game when you and you decide to send it to a few of your buddies and they're all like hell yeah just put it on the internet
0: Welcome to the Draw Your Dice podcast, the show that calls on the champions and new contenders of the tabletop RPG arena. My name is Jeremy Gage, and I am learning about tabletop game design and publishing. If you are a budding game designer or a veteran looking for fresh musings, stay tuned as we learn about the inspirations, processes, and philosophies of professionals in the industry. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Draw Your Dice. Today I am with a very special guest. She is a huge advocate for lyric style games, which we will learn about today because I don't necessarily know exactly what those are. Uh, she has also been on the One Shot Network several times on their podcast, and has also been a main cast member of *A Woman with Hollow Eyes* season two. If you're if you're curious, uh, welcome today's guest, Adira. <sighs> oh, hello. That was a very detailed introduction of me. <laughs> I like to do a tiny bit of homework just just so they feel loved. Well, I thankfully am easily Googleable. <laughs> yes, also that. <laughs> um, Adira, why don't you give a small introduction of yourself uh, as you present yourself to the world? Because you'll do a far better job than I will with that. Oh,
1: yeah, sure. Yeah. Hi, I'm Adira Slattery. I'm a game designer in the Chicagoland area. I write uh, a lot of games about my own experiences as a trans person or as a jewish person i write lots of things about futility and lots of games about fucking and yeah you can find my stuff at adira.itch.io and i'm on twitter at adira slattery
0: well uh today we are going to potentially get a crash course from adira of what a lyric game is but now I'm really interested in talking about how you come to make games about futility and fucking. So <laughs> I know I, I think those are separate things, not in the same game. They are, they are, come yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm really interested in those. So yeah, let's let's sort of dive in. Would you Would you potentially give us a definition or what your definition of a lyric game is?
1: Yeah. So that that's such a fraught question. Sure, there are a lot of people. Sure who have a lot of opinions on lyric games, both like inside of and outside of the the movement. I don't know, it's not really a community, but movement's pretty close. To me, lyric games are sort of promised by a couple sort of hallmarked trends, right? The first one's if the designer calls them a lyric game. The... Next one is about uh, a lack of difference between player and character. Uh, so so in, ma- in many Lyric games, you, you don't have any sort of external avatar to yourself. And the game is just written in second person without, without any character creation. Uh, another hallmarked aspect is is emotional content and a poetic and uh, ritualistic mindsets lots of lyric games have the sort of feeling of of a ritual and they're they're written uh, more like poems yeah games in general have really become a thing with that specific name in the last few years games that have sort of followed that like general design ethos have existed for a long while. Yoko Ono designed a number of games that sort of fit with the like lyrical mindset. And and a lot of people will talk about her as like sort of the the biggest like like antecedent sort of show that that eventually people are gonna do a whole bunch of this. And then in in recent years, like good sort of Things that, that showed that Leer games were going to become a broader thing were things like the appeal of the game Fight Truck by Crow's Danger, Bells, a game which I think is called This Is Not a Game? Shit, I don't know. I'm sorry, Aura, if you're listening. That won an indie groundbreaker a few years ago. Yeah, and so, so uh, and like uh, the tragedy of uh, GJ237B getting nominated for a Nebula Award are all uh, actually uh, proposed for that? I don't know. Whatever. The Nebulas are fucking dumb words suck uh but that is one of my favorite role-playing games of all time Uh, it's by Orabel and ben lehman i think is how they're credited i don't know and that game's really fun i highly recommend it but and uh, a big thing that also is sort of in common about all these games that i've been talking about right is that the experience of reading the game gives you that emotional content that is generally the same as sort of playing it right so Lyric games view reading the game itself as a form of play. Like if if I am talking to somebody about one of my lyric games, I consider everybody who's read a lyric, one of my lyric games to have played it, right? Because they'll get those sorts of ups and downs and, and, and feel all those different sorts of emotions. And there, there are many lyric games where you can get different sorts of depths from from playing them and and they're made to be played like don't don't think they're all just weird thought exercises but yeah
0: great that does so much for me already i know that there are probably people listening who are like man i've never heard of this before you have been my first gateway into this style of game and i actually don't think i've ever run across i can't think of a game that sort of has provided that sort of an experience or has hit even maybe two of those hallmarks that you were mentioning uh in terms of how the game is played or what sort of experience the game is delivering i really like the thought of i've I've been thinking about some games in my mind where it's sort of set in a modern setting and you really just play yourself as the character so having this lack of difference between like the avatar and you as the person is really fascinating to me for sure and for everyone that's listening any of the games we mention when i listen to this on the edit i will list those in the show notes so you can so you don't have to like keep tags as we're talking <laughs>
1: Good, because I'm probably going to mention a lot of games. I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I'm here. You're going to probably have the longest list so far, and I love it. I also, real quick as, as a side tangent, I love that you went into... I love your energy right now, because every other person I've had on the show so far is like, oh, are we allowed to curse on here? You just went for it. Oh, you didn't give a shit. I thought, well, fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> and I'm here for it. So, uh, praise. Yeah. Um. So... I kind of I've I've been through chair I, I haven't I I haven't tried to play it yet uh but why don't you why don't you give sure. a little rundown of that like run, walk us through the experience of chair real quick I know it's like a single pager but I think there's a decent amount sure, sure. yeah
1: yeah so so chair a game I made and uh, I wrote it on a plane in my hour of free wi-fi <laughs> on the way to big bad con <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a time limit! That's a jam. Yeah, that's a jam right there. Yeah,
1: I wrote it on my phone in my uh, notes app on my phone, and I was thinking about like, all right, I wanna, I wanna write uh, a game for the 200 word RPG sort of contest jam thing that they that they do every few years, and I, I really like working in the 200 word RPG format. I'm a big believer in the saying "restrictions breed creativity." My most like popular game 200 word larp called kissing comrades and that's about anti-fascist makeouts and the so i i i was like thinking a whole bunch on the plane ride about the experience and things and i was jotting down a few sort of notes and things and then i decided to turn on my hour of free wi-fi ask people on the internet what i should do and they told me i should write a game so then i did yeah so chair itself is a horror game about like helplessness and being perceived and uh, perceiving others in distress because like the game is is written from the perspective and, and being presented to the person who's going to be sitting in the chair and like who gets stuck but i, I want, can i just read the text of the game
0: yeah, absolutely. Yes, one hundred percent. You don't have to f- off the cuff it. No, no, no. I I just feel like it would provide a lot of context, and like, yeah, it's available yeah, for
1: free on the two hundred word RPG page website. It costs three bucks on my itch page because I did nice layout for it. But yeah,
0: well, I will be linking the itch page version. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> I want a deer to get all the three dollars. That she can. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> All right. So
1: chair. Quiet terror for one and onlookers. All right. Instruct onlookers that they should not be worried or disturbed by anything they see. You are playing a game and can stop at any time. They must not intervene. Collect a chair to sit on. It should be from a different room or place. Move it into this new context. It is a stranger to this place. Once it's moved, sit down. Grip the base of the chair firmly with both hands. Wrap your legs around the legs of the chair. Sit up straight if possible. The chair now has a hold of you. You cannot stand up until the game is over. Next, begin to froggle fruitlessly. The chair is holding you down. The chair won't let go. The chair never listens. The chair must hate you. The chair is a spiteful thing. The chair entangles you ever further. The chair keeps you. No escape. No hope. You may attempt to scream, but no sound comes out. Nothing can offer any help. The onlookers will ignore your pleas. You ask them to. You are playing a game, but you are trapped. Then suddenly, you may stand. Do whatever you wish to the chair.
0: (laughs) We're going to let some dramatic pause happen there. Let me tell you, there is such a difference between reading it and then hearing it read to you. Yeah. That I'm like, I'm i I'm actually scared of the chair right now. I'm legitimately afraid. Mm-hmm. And I like thought of so like I saw the horror scene in my mind. Mo- wow. Yeah,
1: that's that's what I mean about the difference between between reading and playing, right? Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, like absolutely. Like Sure, you'd get emotional content out of out of playing the game and like sitting down mm-hmm. and and doing it, or, or in being one of the onlookers, having to to stand there and watch your friend struggle against a <laughs> chair that they're trapped <laughs> to. But that mm-hmm. sort of like horror already comes through in in the writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's interesting because e- like I imagine. Engaging in the play beyond the reading is that you can even switch it up because the the amount of time you take between breaks or pauses and paragraphs can also really change how the game is played to some effect or how you feel from the game. At least that's my take on. Yeah, I hand it up a little. Yeah, (laughs) just a little bit, but no, absolutely. Like the more you set in the like you could not go on to the next set of directions that says, you know, this is what the chair is doing you now, or that you may stand. And that really changes the scope of the game for the people either reading it on looking sitting. So it's almost has this like really crazy replayability value to it as well. It brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, Thank you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. No, no, thanks. That it's honest. It's the truth. (laughs) Um, yeah, that's really, that's really great.
1: Yeah, I almost didn't put it on the internet. I write, I write a lot of, of <laughs> weird, queer, little lyric games just sort of constantly and I either show them to nobody or my therapist. And I, I wrote this one uh, on the plane and I was like mm-hmm. thinking about it and and fiddling with some of the writing a little bit after I landed. And uh, going to Big Bad Con was, was a, a fabulous experience. I really hope that cons happen again mostly just so i can go to that one again and there was this like soda mixer thing the the first night and i met tim hutchings and brandon o'brien and we were talking about game things and (laughs) i was like oh i wrote this thing on the plane i don't know if i'm gonna post it and then both of them are like what's wrong with you
0: (laughs) (laughs) put it on the internet (laughs) (laughs) yes i love that what what are you doing? <laughs> this, is the, this is the golden goose right here. Yeah, yeah. I love Both that. of them
1: are are really great supportive people. They're they're super nice. And uh, yeah, so so like chair is is interesting because to me personally, right, right. It's it's about horror and things like that, but it also has all of these like positive personal emotions like tied up in them. Like when I think about the game, I think about Tim and like Brandon being nice to me mm. and meeting me for the first time and encouraging me to get out there. Mm. And I think about the experience of like being stuck in my chair on the plane mm. and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Lyric games are fun because like you you can write a lot of things to, to provoke specific sorts of emotional reactions, right? Like, like any, any sort mm-hmm. of, of writer, can do that but but also at the same time you, you can't know what sorts of emotional reactions will be brought up because everybody brings sort of something different uh, to the table like you, you can try and sort of guide it a little by writing scary shit or whatever or or being really horny or mm-hmm. or like creating a, a a moment of like like exultating triumph but yeah it's 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 fun
0: i i think it's amazing i to touch on sort of like trying to force the horror in like a traditional style rpg game a lot of us tend to rely on the pros to create that experience when often i think for this is speaking specifically to the vacuum of the horror genre but it's like you can't like force a jump scare on your players, right? Especially without, like, talking to them or consent things, right? Without safety tools in place. Whereas a game like Chair creates the ambient experience as you play because it allows for your own mind to fill those gaps with, like, holy shit, is this actually happening to me? Whereas, like, if we're playing d and I could say, like, oh, the... Octopus creature squirms and uh, creates wet fleshy noises, and it's like, but that doesn't create the same experience that chair does because chair gets inside of your mind and creates the ambiance of of the emotion, right? I don't think I think it's hard to recreate that through just like prose alone.
1: Mm. interesting, because I mean, like, to me, chair is just prose. Mm-hmm. Like when when I think about about lyric games and stuff I I generally sort of view them in the same way that I view like poems and shit and uh,
0: so it's like yeah hm I I think that what I maybe not prose was not the correct word but more to the effect of you can't you can't tell someone to be scared like you can't instruct them to be scared that's what oh, I mean yeah. yeah
1: yeah no you can't yeah 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 Mm, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you can't you can't write a game mechanic that says, be scared now. Right, yeah.
0: exactly, exactly. That's, that's what I was more alluding to for more of the traditional style games. We rely on the ability to tell our players, this is where you feel frightened, and you can't do that. It won't have the same punch that constructing something like chair does to a person's inner train of thought.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff being done on itch in that sort of, like, horror space, right? Mm-hmm. People really leaning into these, like, styles of writing and things like that to make the game itself scary and not mm-hmm. fully rely mm-hmm. on having to have someone create a table experience that's scary.
0: I do want to know, yeah. I'm now curious on mm-hmm. two fronts. Usually I have a little little segment portion where we talk about how did you get interested in game design, but for you I'd like I'd like two pieces. Oh, sure. One, the first, like, what was your first... Role playing game that you sort of really got interested in, and what sort of brought you into wanting to start hack stuff, make things, and then what also made mm-hmm. you decide on your because you've you're producing a lot of games, you've produced a lot of games. So, I also want to know why you chose your particular style of game, or uh, why you've chosen to oh. talk about things like futility, fucking, and your trans and Jewish experiences obviously assuming from a diversity and accessibility standpoint, but also why you chose to go that route. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the first published role-playing game that I played was Dungeons and Dragons basic edition, 1983. When I was seven years old, I was in Hebrew school Mm -hmm. at my temple and we had these, these worksheets and I just watched an episode of Batman the Animated Series where Batman is is stuck in a maze and there's a minotaur. And I always thought mazes were neat. And I was like, well, I, I can draw mazes. So I started taking these these worksheets Praise. when me and my best friend at the time, Holden, would would flip mm-hmm. these worksheets over. We'd like race to finish them, not even really caring. And I, I would flip them over and I would draw a maze on the back. Uh, and then I would put a bunch of letters in it like like a d or a, or a b or a c or whatever and holden would put his finger down and solve the maze and when he hit a letter i would describe and and do like storytelling of like what's the difficulty right so so if it's d maybe he hit a dragon or, or if it's c maybe there's an evil car that wants to eat him and then holden would say how he overcame the challenge or not and and we'd sort of go back and forth a little and then he he'd move on and continue solving the maze and so I was very proud of this. I, I thought I made a very fun game and I showed my dad and my dad was like, Oh, this is like this thing I played in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And he got me the red book mm-hmm. basic edition of D and D and threw them at me. And uh, yeah, I, so I, I, I played through that in, in middle school, not middle school, elementary school In middle school, D and D 3.0 and 3.5 had just come out a little bit before then. And, uh, My older brother ran a game that me and my dad were players in. And then in like seventh grade, I started running D&D for my friends. Then I decided I wanted to play every edition of D&D. So I went on a a tear finding weird old rule books. I learned how to play Chainmail, which is the miniatures game that D&D was based off of. And then in high school... Like I, I, throughout this whole time, right? I was constantly coming up with with content and things and, and it stopped being more about my own original games. It started being more about, like, hacking and coming up with weird things in D&D, right? And so then D&D 4th Edition came out and I played that. Uh, I played GURPS. I, I got really involved in the Firefly Cortex system and, like, their forums. I did some playtesting for them. started really branching out into indie games when I went to college. And that's when I started thinking about and writing sort of more of my own games, especially once I first played noblis when I was a freshman in college. And noblis is fabulous. Jenna Moran's the best. And then, yeah, I started making my own games more then. But what I really was making for for the longest time was LARPs. I used to write like 40, 50 player parlor larps with with like multi-page backstories for each of the characters and i started getting into more experimental larp stuff after i left college and i uh, learned about things like stuff going on in the the like jeep form and and various like nordic circles and I wrote games with this group called Peaky Midwest, there's one in the UK and one in the Midwest, uh, and it's it's like a, a big LARP writing hackathon, basically. And you, you show up and, and you write a whole LARP in a weekend. My first game for that isn't anywhere on the internet, which is good, but also it had a really neat mechanic. It was a, a part of LARP set on a train on the way to the World's Fair in Chicago, in the 18, late 1800s. And it was a bunch of weird historical characters that we, like, embellished wildly. Like, people like Bertha Benz, <laughs> or the lady who invented the washing machine, who we made her so weird. Had young Wright brothers, and they, there was a fun love triangle with the two of them. But one of the things was there, there was a gun. There was, And it was, like, this technological Marvel gun on the train, and uh, there was a big glass case over the gun. And... We had a, a prop rifle and we took a massive like Rubbermaid container that the size of the whole big dining room table and, and put it on top. And to get the gun, anybody could, if they had the gun in their hands, they could shoot it and basically kill anyone. There were there were no combat rules. But to get the gun, two people had to be standing on either side of the container and you had to make the loud noise of the groaning of the glass lifting up and i just love that mechanic of like telling everybody about the gun coming out and like multiple people being required and yeah yeah so so my style and things like that came out of coming to more sort of tabletop design from from the larp sphere and also coming to it from from writing poems for for most of my life and I'm told to have a very conversational style when I write. I've I've had spouse will sometimes edit uh, my games, not that much anymore. But we we would get into to mini like author editor arguments where I'd be like no, and they'd be like no, no one knows what this weird specifically midwestern word that you wrote down means. I'm like
0: what? <laughs> what do you mean? It's not common? It's totally yeah. common.
1: Uh huh. But yeah, I I I. I put things like gunna in my games Gunna is not specifically made western but but it's but it is a representative of, of this sort of, of thing so like yeah when when it, when it comes to my my style it yeah it, it all it all it all pulls from there like like i really enjoy uh the writing experience where you you sit down and you basically vomit forth a game like sitting down and and writing a whole game in like a single day is is really fun and everybody loves to (laughs) it's it's a pastime yeah (laughs) thanks neurodiversity but uh uh, yeah it's Mm. does that answer both your questions
0: yes great (laughs) cool absolutely uh no i i think you're the first designer i've had on here that has talked about sort of larp as uh Influencing their style of game, which is really fascinating. Um, I myself have never part well, I probably in some form have participated in one, just not like an official LARP, right? I'm sure Sure. to some effect, Mm -hmm. pretending when kids and maybe even as adults, you know, Mia, small, small history aside for Jeremy, when Pokemon first came out. Me and my brothers—I have four of them. We would two sets of them would pretend to be trainers, and then the other two sets would pretend to be the Pokemon. And yeah, that's a LARP. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I uh, I have experienced playing one, but never in an official capacity, and never hearing mm-hmm. sort of uh, taking that influence and bringing it into, um, I guess, a more at home style. But to some extent, Mm -hmm. almost all at least from what you're saying and from what like I'm learning about this this design style, almost every tabletop RPG in some way or another is a LARP. Just with different different moving slash experiential components to it.
1: That is generally sort of the the popular thing to to Conceive of recently with 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 people thinking of of inhabiting a lot of of an actor stance when they're they're playing their characters as opposed to more of a directorial stance.
0: I love that you mentioned both of those.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's there's a there's a great book called The Art of LARP. A friend of mine, and it goes through a number of different almost psychographic profiles of of sort of like the reasons that people play LARPs and things like that. It also also has some fun sort of sort of derivations where it's like, what is a LARP? Is basketball a LARP? And Hmm. yeah. So yeah, it's 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 interesting the the, the you the you talk about like like mm-hmm. games having having more larp stuff in it cuz like like chair is a larp.
0: Right, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And it's like I now nowadays though when I'm like thinking about and designing my games, right? Uh, I don't go into them thinking like, "Oh, I'm going to write a larp." Like Right. I haven't done that in 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 ages. Uh, now I just sit down and and write a game and more often than not, there's LARP shit in it, because I think that's fun, and uh, yeah.
0: Amazing. I think all that is so good. I even love the comment about sort of like sitting down and just vomiting up a game uh, Mm. that you kind of touched on there, because I think that sometimes, for both myself and maybe some listeners out there, that sometimes you can't like, just think about a perfect version of a mechanic. Like you can't just sit on it without putting it somewhere because I don't think that idea can become moldable until you just put it, put pen to paper or use a word processor or something to that effect and just start creating, uh, creating something like just putting it out there so they can be molded. You have to, what do I? I always coin as you have to buy the clay before you can mold the clay. And if you don't put the words on the page anywhere, you haven't, you haven't bought any clay yet. And you run this. Yeah, and also,
1: things. Yeah, yeah, and also like you don't ever have to mold the clay. You can just release a mm-hmm. block of clay on itch. Mm-hmm. Like playtesting's bullshit. Hey, this is somebody who used to playtest board games like all the time, and I still do sometimes. Uh, yeah, uh, check out my dead name mm-hmm. in a number mm-hmm. of board games that I'm not going to list because I don't want people to know my dead name. Um, <laughs> and uh, like. Yeah, you can just write a thing and put it on the internet, but it definitely is like, like a big hurdle to sort of overcome there. Cause it's, it's, it's scary.
0: It's interesting. You're the second person. So I said something mildly similar when I spoke with Adam bell, one of his design tips was talking about how it was like a, a both ends of the spectrum kind of tip or one end. It was like, you shouldn't be afraid to join the game design community. There's always people out there who will kind of vibe with your ideas But then he also said, but you also don't have to do that. You can also just put a game out and not have any feedback on it, and it'll still be a great game. And before talking to Adam and before talking to you, I, as a new game designer, was always under the belief that, like, my game won't be polished enough if I don't have other eyes on it. But it seems that there is actually a more general consensus that uh, that's not the case, and I'm learning more and more as I talk to all these members from the brain trust, um, that be, like great games are made without touching base with anyone, and uh, it just speaks to both the credit of your abilities. But I think what I'm also trying to say is that I want it to also speak to the abilities that a new designer might have dormant within them that they're scared to express because they think that they need some polished perfect play tested um piece of content as their first piece of content
1: yeah you, you don't yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't even need it for your last piece of content like yeah. like like editing is is really good I've, I've gotten some some fabulous feedback from editors shout out uh, my spouse fan and dom Dicky. they're 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 both great and uh, has anyone else edited my games if they have shout out to them too there there there's there's sort of a certain amount of stuff that 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 conversation around your 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 stuff can can come naturally and you don't even need to seek out specifically like play testers like like if you like a game when you and you decide to send it to a few of your buddies and they're all like hell yeah just put it on the internet yeah
0: yeah just put it on the internet there's no reason not to and you know over time you'll start to think about it more and more and maybe you'll make a second edition of X game or whatever have you, you're, you're constantly iterating. So yeah, I love all of that. So Adira in your Sphere of influence, either something that you're seeing out on Twitter or forums or whatever have you, some sort of trend that keeps blipping up on your radar you think is interesting or you think is uh, potentially, uh, well, I, don't, I haven't mentioned this in the other episodes, but I think it's also important to dignify like trends that you both think are interesting, but also ones that you think are being detracting to the greater good of the design space, either from out from outside of your spirit. I mean, there are some, right? Like the people who are like down with safety tools. They don't need to exist. I don't want my players to have them. You know what I mean? Like that's, don't say that. We need them. They're important. Um, but the other sort of... Uh, B- prompt box you can pull from is your own personal sort of uh morals or values of trends that you would like to see or maybe you would like to see disappear mm-hmm. in uh sort of yeah. the game design space
1: so i i guess some trends that 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 i've been seeing that i think are really cool is people on itch have been pulling in larp stuff uh, a bunch over the last few years and what i'm really excited about is that I'm seeing a lot of games recently that are embracing a sort of more board game mindset. Things like Zhengshi, Blood in the Banquet Hall, the little reference cards in uh, Hanukkah Goblins by Max Pfeffer. and it's 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 nice. But previously, when when I would talk about sort of like board game influences mm-hmm. on the sort of RPG genre. Uh, it seemed like a lot of that was was sort of limited to sometimes stealing some some mechanics back and forth from each other, or things like like Descent or Gloomhaven, where it's like this is a board game where you're where you're inhabiting a character sort of at the same time, and and also sort of sort of to that end, a lot of those sorts like like Kingdom Death Monster, right? They're these massive Kickstarter games that that have have wild production values and things like that, and so you can see those sorts of influences when you look at things like invisible sun which is was risen. it's got you got a really big box huge cube I'm. I'm not joking. It's, it's actually, a huge cube.
0: <laughs> no, I've seen the game. If no one has seen Invisible Sun, it is a nuts like package for a role playing. At least in my experience, I'm like this is insanely large. Yeah. No. <laughs> so much yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I never would have gotten the chance to poke around at it if I wasn't on the a woman with hollow eyes show with one shot. And it's it's just got a lot of components that are fun to fiddle with. A lot of the little cards mm-hmm. and things. And I'm really glad that Monty Cook Games is releasing. Not is releasing released like PDFs and things, though they are still a hundred bucks. But it's not a game that's designed for one person to buy for themselves. It's it's sorta designed for like a group to to get together and buy it and people spend a hundred bucks on D and D shit. So why not spend a hundred bucks on a big cube and a plastic hand? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I love the like backhand in there, just the subtle like, yeah, someone wants to pay $150 to play this game, so why not a hundred bucks for this even more amazing game?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like I, I wouldn't recommend Invisible Sun to, to everybody. It's it's a very particular sort of game, but uh, it's really nice to see those sorts of, of board game trends. And, and I find it it's very interesting that I'm seeing a lot of those this year more coming in design because nobody can play board games during pandemic. Like, I've been playing board games through like tabletop simulator right. and stuff, yeah. but not everybody has a specialty video game to play board games on the internet with. <laughs> and so it's seeing people pull somewhere of these sort of like board game style design things into RPGs. I really like, and I think it's neat. Yeah.
0: What about, no, uh, I think that as well. And Sarah, you're not the only guest to talk about how with the, um, with the dangers of COVID and not being able to meet at home and play sort of the more traditional board games or even traditional sort of miniature RPGs, Mm -hmm. we really have to start exploring and changing the landscape as far as digital space is concerned and really starting to upgrade those things that have been kind of middling, fiddled with. You know, Roll20 has its own like sort of JavaScript things that are going on, but I think people, you know, with the Roll application that's coming out, there's another one called... um, Astral Tabletop, which is trying to do mm-hmm. things. There's Multiverse Tabletop, which is yeah. trying to do stuff. Um, everyone is is trying to push out, finding the best way to make online games and Tabletop Simulator off of Steam. Uh, I don't know, yeah. if it's sold off of a different off of a different space, but I don't know. Um, but all those things are going to be important, hugely yeah. important moving forward. Um, mm-hmm especially, and to go beyond the video game space. In, fa- in fact, probably taking influences from video games more and more as time goes on. Like when we, you know, I, we, there was an interesting conversation in the Brain Trust about user interfaces and thinking about that stuff and how you kind of have mm-hmm. like a heads up display as you're playing a character. And I think Will sure, sure. Will Jobs was talking about, you know, Or maybe it was Simon. It might have actually been Simon uh, talking Mm -hmm. about how, you know, you're playing World of Warcraft and you have all this heads up display and then you have a play area in front of you. Why can't we apply that to like Twitch overlays and stuff like that for for players and streamers? Mm -hmm. So um, I think all that stuff is going to be massively important that that you touched on there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm really optimistic for things coming out of, of a role multiverse. I think they're both pretty neat platforms and they're, they're doing very different things.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. What about for you personally? I know that this is what you're seeing on sort of the outside view. Is there anything internally as a design trend that you uh, would like to see people kind of pull on more or maybe start to steer away from?
1: Hmm. Me personally, I'm seeing a lot of uh, some people doing very diegetic things and I think it's very neat and I want people to be doing more of that with the internet, right? Like like I see lots of things where it's like like diegetic you sort of spell casting stuff where you're like moving rocks around on a table or or the the wonderful a uh, spellcatex by Fatichi Vitaletti and like I mm, mm-hmm. I I personally want to see more games about being on mm-hmm. the internet and then being on the internet while you do them. Like like yeah like like things things that come close to this are things like uh this discord has ghosts in it and but like yeah i want want to see people code weird bots and (laughs) Mm -hmm. use them to run weird diegetic role-playing games about people talking in chat rooms yeah i i i want to see more of that sort of like stuff because like like
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The success
1: this year of things like Among Us have shown that people really want that sort of element mm-hmm. in in uh, a lot of their like online playthings. And uh, I guess yeah, I I want the sort of thing where <laughs> you're sitting at a computer, but you're also pretending to sit at a computer.
0: Yes. <sighs> <Yeah. laughs> no, I I first of all the I think the first thing that drew me to the brain trust discord was will talking about wait, it's will admit. No, they both did. Just, I always forget.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Will and Adam. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, ghosts in the discord. I thought the second I saw that game, my mind blew up. I was like, why? I feel like no one is talking about this. And so many more people need to talk about this. That just like <laughs> using these interfaces, that a bit like just using them in new ways, right? Innovative ways that, that make them into a game, like bouncing around chat rooms and having bots that can do all this sort of mm-hmm. uh, procedural generation sort of stuff. I mean, it's almost the effect of game, I mean, roguelites, but also rogue in of itself, where it was really just scripted to like spit out random information as you went yeah. along, right? So, w- this is the 21st century, we are in almost 2021 and people have come so far when it comes to programming and programming artificial i don't want to say artificial intelligences but mm. bots right bots is some effect that are yeah. able to spit out really cool information that can be played with like playing with bots i think is a really interesting concept yeah. for sure um we already do it on twitter yeah. with like random posting and prompt ideas so mm-hmm. there's no reason we can't start to do that stuff with discord and uh virtually even virtual tabletops like roll 20 could get behind that and you know i'm sure there's a whole bunch of recoding that would have to happen but it could happen
1: but yeah i mean i i also do like some twitter roleplay mm-hmm. where you have like a, a twitter account for a specific character and like sometimes it's you the characters are talking to each other but other times you just you pretend to be this person on twitter mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like they're using twitter
0: <laughs> yeah yeah like no i i love persona twitters mm-hmm. i love them so much
1: mm-hmm. like like i do a few things with the blazeball twitter rp community and played a, a pitcher for a while and it was really fun in games where he would be pitching and uh, like He'd be like, oh, I'm doing really good. And then people were like, why are you looking at your phone while you're pitching? And then, like, the enemy team would hit a home run and he'd go like, oops. Like, it it was fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I love that. Oh, yeah. I I definitely think there's something to be. I think just that's a really, really interesting trend to bring up Mm -hmm. for sure. Like, to think about as we're talking about this digital stuff, really talking about different games that can come because of technology, not just on a video game landscape yeah. like a more powerful Unreal engine, but really utilizing sort of those procedural, proced- I'll learn to say it one day. I hope someone out there understands what procedural. I'm Procedural. Thank you. Uh, those elements into the role play space beyond you know, getting a random item from a monster
1: yeah, yeah, and there's there's already a lot of that, right? The yeah in the rise of 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 GMless like design that's that's been happening mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. last few years. This this like veritable like renaissance with stuff like the the explosion of Firebrand's framework games and and Sworn and and like mm-hmm. uh, belonging. I say belonging mm-hmm. that there there are a number of games that that have basically sort of like a, a robo GM already built into them already of like card prompts and like things and stuff yeah. like like one that i played a few months ago that i really love it's called mm-hmm. dark sentencer marn and she just did a really great job with the like tarot card prompts in that game providing like openness and specificity that allows lot of sorts of things and so we're, we're already doing those things with decks of cards we can do them with with online things mm-hmm. and i mean right now people are using digital decks of cards <laughs>
0: Adira is there anything you're currently working on or looking forward to working on like Kickstarter I know a lot of my guests so far've talked about Zine quest coming up is there anything in the personal uh sort of I can't think of the term when you it's something that's like loading a gun but not loading a gun <laughs> something in the barrel uh, yeah uh, ready to work on
1: so there are a few different things that I'm sort of working on it actively. I'm going to release a game probably when this is over that I wrote a little bit ago. I actually wrote it at the start of uh, quarantine and then was like, oh, well, I'll come back to this and, and write an FAQ page for it because <laughs> it's a game that contains an FAQ page and uh, then release it. And the, the artist ego jam is, is, is perfect for that. And uh, yeah, yeah, when I think about the sorts of things that are upcoming that are really exciting to me, there mm-hmm. are a few things that stand out one of them is a solo journaling <laughs> game that i was planning to have already finished and then uh, i got salmonella and didn't finish it and it, it sort of fell away from me and now now i'm 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 actually considering maybe kickstarting it i haven't talked to the uh, artist who already did some art for it but uh, i need to reach out to them and uh, yeah it's a it's a solo journaling game called disease about this creature in in Jewish mythology, All right. So you you got like Behemoth and Leviathan, the the like biggest land creature and the biggest sea creature, right? Uh, so the Ziz is the biggest bird. It's it's so big that that mm. it, it blots out the sun, and if its egg falls out mm. of its nest, it creates Makes a flood sense. that destroys cities. And uh, yeah, and uh, for for that game, am mm. incorporating a number of kabbalistic divination techniques as the like and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com/acast. And uh, that's just exciting and fun. It's really fun to mm. tell people to do magic. <laughs> like as the gameplay aspect yeah and and i know mm-hmm. that there are some people that 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 sort of thing mm. would would turn off either because it's something that they ascribe a lot of of belief and meaning to themselves or it's just because they don't want to do real magic but that's 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 fun and upcoming yeah and, and i'm looking forward to that
0: yeah that sounds awesome i mean just on a, uh you said what what type of generation was it kabbalistic divination Kabbalistic divination. I'm sorry, our generation. No. Uh, Would you, would you walk me through like what that looks like? What that, what that means?
1: Oh yeah. So there there are a number of different Kabbalistic divinatory practices. Kabbalah Mm -hmm. is uh, Jewish mysticism. And, there's, there's one that I, that I really like where you take stones and you inscribe the 22 letters of the, the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet on the stones, and you can, you can cast them and, and pull them out of bags and, and, and do different things with the, with the stones. And all, all of the letters have various symbolic meanings and, and numbers associated with them and, and, and all sorts of fun stuff. And, so so you, you can use it like people think about when they think about somebody using, like, tarot, right? right? Like, flipping, like, a, a spread of cards. You can do that with, with those stunts. And I didn't want to tell people to go out and collect a number of stones and inscribe letters into them. <laughs> yeah, but so so I've written a lot of games <laughs> like that.
0: <laughs> In addition to like, purchasing, please go find 22 but I stocks.
1: When I was thinking about this game, I wanted it to be a bit more accessible. So Ezra Rose is a, is a fabulous illustrator, and they designed me a custom alphabet bet and, and a back of a card, so effectively you can print and, and include the the sheets for somebody to print themselves effectively a custom major arcana because there's the same number of letters in the Hebrew alphabet as there are cards in the major arcana when you don't count things like the geishas. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, the, there's definitely like, like a push and pull when you think about and, like custom physical components, right? There are a lot of people who bounce off of custom dice, like the the Fantasy Flight Games, Star Wars, and 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 Genesis stuff that uses those custom dice. And when when I was thinking about designing these games, mm-hmm. I I was like, well, right? Why not just use the Major Arcana and Tarot? Like, like why not just use a standard deck of cards and i just didn't want to it it mattered a lot to me (laughs) yeah and uh, i am excited to to Mm. finish that up and and release it yeah
0: i i love every bit of that because i when we talk about some of my past Mm -hmm. guests we talked about sort of diversity and accessibility in games and things like that and i'm recently i'm more and more thinking that when people say, yeah, there's no such thing as an original idea out mm. there anymore, and they're mainly talking about film or TV or whatever have you, I don't think that's necessarily true because at least speaking to American entertainment culture, I think there yeah. are so many original perspectives mm-hmm. that are just not being put in the mainstream or even being tapped into because yeah. it's not the safe sell, right? It's not the safe exactly. white mm-hmm. white dude sell, so... Um, I really love when there's, I mean, for myself being a black person, I think, you know, I'm American. I'm not African by any stretch of the imagination, but I recently did an ancestry.com thing and I've learned that like my ancestry goes hmm. back to like the Congo, um, in Africa and, and Sweden is oh, on my mom's side and more and more, I'm like, I want to bring that stuff to, the yeah. games I create, if I can, but there's for me, for me personally, there's always this disconnect of like, well, I'm not really African, so I, can't, I you know, I'm black American, so then what's the black American culture? And I know for me, there's a lot of things for, like we we love anime, and anime is a big part of our culture, and um, sort of the hand me down generations mm-hmm. from the nine, 90s and stuff, and making do with what we have, um, but. No, I I always love when someone talks about a game that really brings their heritage into play, because it yeah. and their traditions into play. Because I think that those things are not explored enough uh, mm. on any facet on a on a even a semi mainstream level uh, uh, in America. So I, I love every bit yeah. of that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of really good work being done in that sort of space recently, mm-hmm. like. I've, I've seen a lot of, of really cool work being done uh, by Asian creators pulling those things in. I've seen some really great work done from Latinx creators and and, and Black creators. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, it's it's so exciting to see all of that. <laughs> like, it's, it's the best.
0: <laughs> it all feels so... F- to me, it feels all fresh. And I, I know I'm still very new to... I haven't even broken the surface on the iceberg of like how many games are out there. In fact, many oh, of the time, like probably 90% of the games you've mentioned, I've never heard of in my entire life. <laughs> um, Don't worry about it. <laughs> the brain trust is totally like kicking out names of games. we like, dude, I'm trying to make a list, but you're all running so fast. I think the point was that there's so much out there and there's so much not being represented on the mainstream level uh, because it's not the safe cell from like big publishing companies, like you know, not drive through RPG. I don't know if that necessarily counts as like someone who stays away from the non-safe cell because it's self-incubated uh, in terms of the creator. But um, there's you know, anything that's not D and D. That's I guess that's the big big thing <laughs> here. It's like anything that's not a clone of D and D, I am all for. Uh, mm-hmm. In, uh, in every stretch of the imagination. On the, on the side tangent talking about the, uh, I'm going to mess up this word because I've read it, but I don't want to. Uh, Kabbalah? Kabbalah? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, sure is not a yes. Sure is not a yes. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> okay. Um, there's this uh, Peter Morbacker. He was a uh, Magic the Gathering card artist, may still be. But he has his page Angelirium, which is... Oh, yeah. You know, you've seen it? Yes. Oh, my God. I love that art. Like uh, It was because of that art and sort of the inspiration that he had from his experiences creating that. that I'm not by any means a religious person, but uh, this was sort of the first gateway to Mm -hmm. me... Exploring religion, like thinking about, like learning about other religions, learning about their traditions and their practices. And I I think that's what's mm-hmm. really important about games like yours or anyone creating from, like I said, their heritage and traditions. That it's sort of like, I think it, it sh- shortens the gap on understanding between you and another person. Because you're able to get touchstones yeah. for how other people perceive the world. And I think opening up that communication barrier is really, really, really important.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it, it can also be like really fraught looking at designing those sorts of games from, from sort of like the, the standpoint of, of trying to, to make people feel empathy. Because it's like, there, there, there are a lot of games mm-hmm. that, that I make from like, like a, a trans perspective. I don't necessarily know if they're for the consumption of cis people. And then Mm I don't always put them on my itch page. And it's like, I'm like, there, 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 there are a lot of different things that, that I know, like I could go into a game and, and Mm -hmm. learn about these sorts of things and, and, and gain empathy about it. But there, there are different things that like, as a white Jew that, that I just won't even know to look for. And so yeah yeah it's 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 interesting thinking about those sorts of sorts of empathy things because you 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 want to do that like you 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 want to have people like other people you know (laughs) like Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. and it's 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 tough that sort of like push and pull of like well well how much is it someone's impetus as a marginalized person to to do that education
0: right yeah yes yeah absolutely So my last little bit here, uh, Adira, is sort of a TLDR advice for the listener. Uh, I have a random table on here I'm going to roll because I don't think this would be a game design talk show if I didn't roll or flip or draw something. Um, So uh, this may be completely separate from what we've talked about today, or you could also use the lens of today to sort of field this prompt prompt as well. All right, so that's a four. Uh, This one is going to be marketing. So under the prompt of marketing, what sort of tip would you have for new or even veteran designers who may feel stuck in the sort of marketing aspect of their life? Wow. I don't know how qualified I feel to speak on
1: marketing in the the slightest. God, I don't Mm -hmm. know. I mean, the, the most successful two pieces of marketing for any of my games ever, where one of my games got randomly sorted to appear on the first like six or seven lines of the itch bundle for racial justice and equality. It just it just randomly ended up way at the top of the bundle and I wasn't in control of it and I even had to ask the itch people to not have my game up there because I was getting death threats from Nazis. And that's that randomness is one of the the the, the best mm. pieces of marketing that I ever had. And the other best marketing that I ever had was getting one of my games in a rundown of solo RPGs on an established game review YouTube channel. I'm I'm forever grateful to the people at the Dicebreaker for talking about mine and Fenn's game, The Machine. And like the the reason that that game got in there is is because mm-hmm. ended up in a in a bundle that Kurt Potts organized
0: a <laughs> sure, sure. charity
1: bundle for his birthday and and uh, one of the reviewers was looking for different solo games and bought the bundle and uh, fell in love with a few of the games in the bundle and talked about it in this YouTube channel a review and uh, that game is now my highest grossing game mm-hmm. ever like i don't i don't know if i'll like aside from releasing something
0: yeah crazy like praised icebreaker
1: on a kickstarter or whatever i don't know if i'm gonna have a game that 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 gets to that level of commercial success like for a while yeah because like like yeah it, all of my best marketing has has been has been completely random and it has, has been happened just sort of because i continually put shit out and yeah and i've i've slowed down on that sort of like content creation like steam engine in the last sort of 6 months of the year because of some personal stuff yeah and it's yeah it's 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 wild yeah like like a- anecdotally things that i hear that work well if, if for people who are trying to intentionally market, right? Things like like building a, a brand around yourself as a person on Twitter, things like reaching out to large actual play podcasts, things like Facebook ads. Facebook ads did great shit for Wanderhome. And uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, because it's like when if if anybody's ever like, oh, do you have any marketing advice on like no i don't know what the fuck i'm doing
0: (laughs) sure sure says most people also including myself and maybe many of the brain trust members for sure yeah yeah it's 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 weird yeah yeah i think i think what a great takeaway from from that is, is two things one keep keep making things and keep putting them out publicly because you don't know who's going to love what when and that might be it might come to a swell it might come to a swell exactly. and the other thing is yeah. to be ready for that opportunity mm-hmm. too like for things like wander home and for uh for the machine by the way i know exactly which episode the dice breakers you're talking about and i did not know you were the ones who wrote i love the machine oh, i love you. everything <laughs> about the idea of the machine <laughs> i i saw i saw him talk about that uh-huh. and i was like i i want to pass the journal to somebody else i want to play this game and pass Mm -hmm. it along i think it's so fucking cool yeah
1: oh yeah and like like fen and i made that game on a whim because like we wanted to design a game together and my my friend ken was organizing Mm -hmm. a bundle and and game jam around designing games that specifically can interface with the mail to try and put more things out to help the postal service and and now like like somebody passed the journal by by hiding it behind a painting in somebody else's house i one of the dice breaker people buried it buried it in a hole um like
0: (laughs) 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 what and like what an eldritch horror setup for sure like this is absolutely insane i love that uh, and again it you know, kind of full circle here it's again that experience of the game that people are kind of taking into their own hands and yeah. creating that replayability not only just like passing it off to someone because that's what the game tells you to do but like to do it to a rando like putting it in a coffee mm. shop on the library shelf and someone's like the machine what is this and pick it out it's like oh my god
1: well so 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 they they were they were passing them to specific people doing these things oh, heard, with, heard. with with the painting and the and the hole. but they just thing about the hole right is that they buried it and somebody else dug it up oh <laughs> uh, yeah Before but they then did? they they like left the journal
0: still
1: <gasps> yeah 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 oh, it's wow. wild
0: it's such a it's such an amazing concept i i loved everything about it this this every word he had to say about it was was amazing
1: yeah wheels is a very nice person <laughs> yeah
0: and that's a very good game. Um, but, I, you know, I think the other takeaway from this tip as well is that kind of be ready for opportunity and kind of, um, you know, touch base, mm-hmm. base with people who engage with your content like that. Like, I know that to some extent you said it's a, it's a yeah. little bit of random luck in some cases, but that's mostly due to you having... From what I think 30 pieces of content out there, maybe more. And not only that, but you then you have the opportunity to be like, hey, I just got reviewed on on Dice <laughs> yeah. Baker. Uh, go check it out. And then from there it just kind of like spills out. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that can happen for any game yeah. you put out on the on in a space, internet, physical, whatever have you. So so the two tips are to kind of sum it up, be ready for opportunity. And keep making stuff because you don't know mm-hmm. when something is yeah. going to get in front of the right person.
1: Yeah, and also that sucks.
0: That sucks. Elaborate. Like, Hit me with it.
1: Yeah, because like, so you're just sitting there releasing things into effectively a vacuum.
0: Mm, I, I see <laughs> like, what you're
1: like there there is a, a a way to release your games to reviewers on itch. I don't know anyone, like anecdotally, mm-hmm. who has gotten any sort of response from those review people just because i think on on itch itself if you're releasing games on that platform the the press people are all more focused on video games and i don't know of any way to release games to the press on drive through. i mean i don't put my games on drive through because i don't like them but uh,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
1: i mean there's some days where i don't like the platform people at itch but like yeah the 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 randomness of it is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah it's 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 a little bullshit
0: yeah no i uh, i totally see what you're saying there and i i agree it's i guess what's important to kind of uh addendum to what I said about the two tips is that you know you can't also wait you can't just wait until it hit i'm sure there are things that you could talk to a, a mark hopefully one day i have a marketing analyst <laughs> on this podcast that can really dive in on how to Uh, Publicized for a game, but um,
1: Jeff Stormer writes uh, a copy for his day job. Uh, Maybe talk to Jeff.
0: Jeff, Jeff is on the list. So Jeff, if you're listening, your interview is coming up if you hear this before I interview you. Um, And and don't talk to Daniel Fox. He sucks. Heard, heard no Daniel Fox. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm getting kind of chill on, on Mr. Fox as well. Well, Adira, that is everything that I have segment wise. I want to thank you so fucking much for being here today. Little, little outro things, shamelessly plug something where, you know, I know you kind of said in the beginning, but people always remember the beginning and the end. Where can people find you? And everything like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um yeah, so so I'm adira slattery You can find my games at Adira A D I R A dot itch dot I also own Adiraslattery.com. <laughs> it's not the best website. Uh, it's just some <laughs> shitty WordPress, but it exists. You can find me on Twitter at adira Slattery. Let's go. Google the words. Oh, I adira love slattery. it.
0: I dare you to Your find energy is everything I wanted today uh, on Saturday. Santa. I yeah. swear to God. <laughs> I'm
1: glad. Yeah. I'm in a bunch of Discords. Uh, Yeah, and I'm in Skokie. (laughs) Don't come to my house.
0: (laughs) Don't find me, because I'll find you first. (laughs) Sure. All all of those links will be in the show notes, minus the furry porn. That's your own adventure. (laughs) And I also don't think Red Circle would like that very much. So Eh. uh, once again, Adira, thank you so much for being here. Uh, To everyone who came to listen to us today, I hope you learned a lot. I know I... Certainly did. See you next time. Say bye to the people, Adira. Bye. Bye. All right, that's a wrap. Wow, Adira sure puts the capital F in pho. Feelings. Adira, keep crushing it in this new year, and I hope you take up even more space in this industry because you more than deserve it. All the games we talked about today, along with all the links to get in touch with Adira, will be down below in the show notes for your access. If you liked the show and found it helpful, please send a tip my way over on Ko-fi. Or, if you are unable to donate, please consider sharing this with the person you thought of while listening to this episode and leave a review. Both of those methods greatly impact the success of this show and lets me know that what I'm doing is beneficial to designers out there. If you finally got your game off the ground and out in the world, you can tag me, at JeremyGage5, over on Twitter with the hashtag IDidIt. That's I-D-Y-D-I-T. Thanks for listening, and I will catch you next time.